This is Rob Peary with the Coffee Runs Deep podcast, where we interview coffee farmers, coffee roasters, and we share their stories. I truly hope you enjoy the experience. Well, hello and welcome. We have a cool show roasted up today. Marcus and I discuss how the coffee shop he works at, Lost and Found Coffee Co., is transitioning into roasting coffee. He tells his journey of learning on a small U.S. roaster and then finding a 25-pound Diedrich in town that was just not being used. We dive into coffee bag design, branding, inflation, and the sea market price. This episode is packed, so hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Coffee Runs Deep podcast. I'm your host, Rob Peary. And today we have a special guest on, Mr. Marcus Gray. He is with Lost and Found Coffee Co. and is doing some pretty cool things over there. So, Marcus, tell me about yourself. My name is Marcus Gray. I live up in uh, North Mississippi with kind of a kind of a really cool company that is trying to bring specialty coffee to a, an extremely underserved uh, market. So Lost and Found started as e-commerce uh, back in like 2015, I want to say. Um, this was before my coffee like knowledge or my passion for college, uh, coffee was even on the radar. Uh, so the owner uh, was doing like some e-commerce stuff and really wanted to serve people uh, really, really strongly <clears throat> and decided e-commerce wasn't you know quite the move for it. So he rolled up to this parking lot and um, was looking at a building next to a business. Well, the owner of that business came out um, and was like, just put your coffee shop in here, man. So um, that call, that business was called Relics Antique Market. And they um, are like this two-story, 1,600-square-foot, like it's either 1,600 or 2,800-square-foot antique mall. So it's just dusty antiques. Um really cool people most of them like they grew up in the 80s so like the music playing is from the 80s and everything it's really really cool um but so we we were slinging coffee on a bar i mean no bigger than a kitchen island for two years um and we had some like surprise visits from southern living magazine and we're like an honorable mention as best coffee shop in the south and stuff like that so um then eventually came time to um, kind of like expand. So last year um, in February, we signed off on a building and we shut down for about two or three months and then renovated a new space um, in a completely dead part of town um, with the hopes that a new business in it would, would kind of revamp this part of town, which, um, you know, back in the 70s was like the place to be. So yeah, late February of last year, we moved into a new place, completely renovated it, uh, moved everything into it and started slinging coffee February 13th. And we've been doing it for a full year now. Um, and since then, two new businesses have moved in and the city's kind of paying more attention to that part of town um, because it's a place to be again, you know, like there's life there again. So that's cool. Um, how how far slinging. away from, from like y'all's original location? So what? How far away from like y'all's original location? Um, we say just over the tracks. And that literally means like there's a train that runs through the city um and our new location is about two or three blocks over the train tracks from where the other location was okay so y'all pretty close then yeah like i pass i pass our other location on the way into work every single day <laughs> gotcha so or our past location not our other one but yeah that's cool to hear so like what's kind of moving into the area then um so it was i mean we are on the end of a strip mall right and there was nothing there um the local like realtor guy bought it and renovated it for us pretty much and then we moved in and now on the other side on the biggest tenant a taekwondo studio has moved in which is really fun because you see like these seven-year-old kids just running around in their karate outfits um and like last week the the teacher came down and he was like hey one of my kids broke his finger can can I have a bag of ice and a cappuccino to go please <laughs> and so that's that's down there and then next door we just got this really awesome uh kind of like hip and trendy like boutique um and she's a super awesome lady who has been doing online only for a long time but came to where we're at and saw that just on a random tuesday the parking lot was full and she was like this is exactly what i'm looking for so like to try to jump in front of the crowd and and be in a spot before you know before it was cool so yeah um and then they just tore down a, a condemned mexican restaurant that was like in the parking lot next to us. Um, 
that has been condemned since I, I was like seven, man. Like I've grown up in Tupelo. So they just now tore it down and we're about to get a bunch of murals kind of painted around that area. Um, and it's going to be a really, really cool spot to hang out. No, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of I'm kind of in the same boat where the place I'm looking at to, to uh, build out. It's like it's the older part of town. They call it the antique village because there's a lot of yeah. antique stores there and stuff like that. So it's kind of they have a a local brewery that just went in like right over the train tracks, kind of like what you're talking about. So yeah. I almost feel like you're talking about the same little spot that I'm, I'm looking at. And, What's uh, the brewery? It's a uh, it's called La Chine, which means the dog in French. Okay, and it's, cool. it's very uh like family friendly like they allow dogs in and like kids and they have <laughs> yeah. games they have like trivia night they have like impromptu night so they have yeah. like a bunch of like events and stuff going on the place i'm looking at is literally the parking lot over but it's really yeah. the only it would be the only two kind of like you know attracting type things down there everything else just antique stores and you know like a bank and whatever else so yeah but uh, that's cool. So it's it's cool to see like you know people going in and kind of getting these older locations kind of back up to sure. back up to hip. So that's cool too. So what got you into coffee in the first place? Did you start out like your coffee journey there, or did you start somewhere else? Um, <laughs> um, I have to be careful with what I say here because it was it was kind of like illegal, but <laughs> like it's okay. So I lived in. I lived in England for some time. I worked with an organization that kind of sent students over there to experience a different culture. <clears throat> um, but a lot of that time was spent uh, in a coffee shop. And previously, before England, um, I had to live in Dallas with the same company. And so, again, a lot of that time was spent in a coffee shop. And I've always loved coffee, right? Like, I've always been that guy to my friend group who's geeking out about coffee. But Tupelo had nowhere to express that. So when I got to Dallas, right, uh, nice coffee scene, really cool hip shops. Everybody's doing something different. And I'll never forget it, man. It was so cool. I uh, walked down into a place uh, called uh, Magnolia Sulapont, um, and I contribute to them, like, my love for specialty coffee. I asked the barista, like, you know, what's on drip today? I didn't know what I was asking. Like, what you got today? Light, medium, whatever. And she goes, well, we have this medium roast from a roastery called Onyx. Um, and if you just kind of sip it, swish it around your mouth, you'll get notes of like blueberry cobbler, peach tart and stuff like this. And I was like, whatever, dude, I just got to go write my criminal justice essay. So took it, not thinking anything of it. And I'm writing about like subpoenas and all this and I get super bored. So I, I try it. Right. I'm like, maybe she's onto something. And as soon as I did exactly what she said, it was like, I don't know if you've seen Ratatouille. But when Remy yeah. like eats the cheese and the strawberry, and it was like that for me. So I immediately was like coffee shop popping. Well, fast forward to England, um, sitting in a coffee shop and <clears throat> it become pretty regular. They knew my order and all this. And the general manager was doing like a job fair and everybody that was applying for the barista spot, he, they were like, yeah, I'm just, I'm here for a week cause I'm traveling. And I just need some more money or they didn't have any experience or anything. So kind of just went up to him and I was like, Hey man, I've got income sorted out for six months. Like I want to learn coffee really bad. Can I please work just for tips or something like that? And he kind of looked at me really funny. Like you don't have a worker's visa. Like you're not, you're here on a visitor visa just to work in coffee. And I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, they started me out on the bar and just kind of threw me into the fire that they, they showed me the technique to steam milk and showed me the technique to like pull a shot. And so I started doing that. I did that for six months for free. Um, and as I was coming back to America, um, I had this vision like, Oh, I want to start this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, lost and found had popped up. They had gone from that e-commerce phase into relics the antique phase. Um, and so I pick on the owners cause we're like really good friends and we, we joke about it, but I emailed them and said, Hey, uh, I'm a 19 year old kid who lives across the world. I want to work full time for you. And they just kind of chuckled and they were like, we're not really hiring right now, but definitely come geek out about coffee with this. And so I walked in and before I even placed my order, um, I was greeted and they were like, Oh, you're Marcus. You're the guy who emailed us. And um, the rest is history. So I expressed interest early on in roasting and that I had an idea for a roastery because 
Um, that was an also underutilized part of the market in town, but that was just where I fell in love with um, in terms of roasting. So um, we cupped coffee that I had roasted myself and it was just like, it just made sense to jump onto a team that already had upward trend and upward momentum instead of starting from scratch and potentially failing. So didn't start with lost and found, but it started in Dallas, Texas in a basement coffee shop. So <laughs> heck yeah, dude, that's super cool. Um, <clears throat> so was you born here? Or was you born over in like UK or something? I was born in Tupelo. Tupelo okay. So you're yeah. from, from Mississippi then? Yeah, I'm from gotcha. Mississippi, born and raised. Okay. So, well, let's move into that then. So you get to Lost and Found and, you know, you start doing the roastery. What what was that process like? How did y'all determine like what machine you wanted or what size you wanted? Like how much quantity y'all was going to be kind of like starting with? Yeah. Um, again, man, our, our entire story at Lost and Found has pretty much been an upward battle of like, you know, stumbling forward and figuring it out. Like we're just now to the point where we're like, all right, we're doing this thing for real. So, um, when I started at Lost and Found in 2019, um, I had an office space with an air roaster because I was doing my own concept, right? Like, and he knew that, like Colin, the owner knew that I was doing my own thing on the side and whatever. I had an air roaster about this big. We called it the Nutribullet because that's what it looked like. And so <laughs> I was spending time just, just playing with it, right? And then he comes to me and we have a buddy who owns a coffee shop down in uh, Jackson. Uh, called native coffee shop if you're ever in that area they're killing it man um he's a super good guy just got into coffee but he had a one pound u.s corp roaster and um they were going to do the roasting thing they were going to roast their own but um just decided to keep serving um who they serve uh wholesale so he put it on facebook to sell and i sent it to colin i was like dude can we get it just jokingly and well he came in two days later he was like hey buddy you're going to be a you're going to be a full-time roaster. Like you're going to be roasting for real. And in a dusty antique mall, man, just broke into tears. I was like, this is it. This is finally happening. So we, uh, we moved it in to my office that I had and we were just playing with it, man. I've never been on an industrial roaster, even if it is just one pound. So kind of playing with it, figuring it out. Um, and then just recently we, we got our 25 pound Diedrich. Um, and it's kind of a crazy story too, that it's been sitting in Tupelo for, like three decades now for like 30 years. It's just been in somebody's garage. Um, and the guy who was roasting on it went out of, went out of business in 2014. And uh, we serve him. He's a regular for at Lost and found. And he was like, yeah, man, just come pick it up. Um, he's like, you'll have to clean it real good, but come pick it up and we'll work something out later. So That's in terms awesome. of like, yeah, man, in terms of just figuring it out, it all just kind of fell into our hands, you know, like, um, and we did a lot of research cause we were going to go like, you know, the probat route or the luring route or like this and stuff. So, um, but everything that we needed just literally like fell into our hands. Um, and so now we're just still figuring that out as we go. That's awesome, dude. I mean, you can do a lot with 25 kilo. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be a game changer for y'all then. Yeah. What, absolutely. what, what year is it? Do you know, or does it say on there anything? Um, it's a, it is a late eighties model. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. I had my, my buddy from the frothy monkey, he came down and he was looking at it just geeking out with me. Um, but I mean, it's a workhorse, man. We, we did, we had to take it completely apart. There was still coffee in the, in the cooling bin from 2016. <laughs> so oh, um, I told the guy that it was a vintage roast and he got a chuckle out of it, but I was kind of <laughs> grossed out. <laughs> it's, it's like dusty coffee, but, um, and we looked inside of it and it's healthy, man. It's, it's a workhorse. I, we can roast. I mean, 40 bags of coffee just like that and compared to the one pound roaster, you know? So, oh yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So, I mean, it doesn't have any type of, you know, digital or any like hookup. So y'all would have to probably install any of that if y'all wanted to then, huh? Yeah. So we, we have, uh, that was a, another battle that we faced with the one pound us core roaster is it, it didn't have any like thermocouplers or anything. So we had to uh, do research and figure out where to put the probes and, um, how to program them. So we run everything through a fidget, which just decodes it in real time. Um, and then through the fidget, um, we use a roasting program on my laptop and it just, it charts everything with me. So, um, we did that in the small roaster and the, uh, the 25 pound one as well. So yeah, we had to kind of, 
you know, do our own thing to it, but it works really, really well. <laughs> yeah. It's, and that's the other thing too. Uh, you know, if you can find a good deal like that, I, I'm talking to somebody in New Zealand, they just found like kind of a, a same thing as like they bought a 25 kilo, I think Toper or something like that for like mm -hmm. 2,500 bucks and it still works and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, somebody was just wanting to get rid of it. And it's just crazy because if you can find a deal like that, I mean, you're saving so much money and then, you know, get somebody to come in there and, you know, get it up to code certified or if, you know, if you got the time, do it yourself and stuff and you yeah. can just save so much money because they're so expensive, dude. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, you know, regardless of what y'all eventually work out, um, you know, I'm sure it ain't going to be like going and buying a brand new 40, 50 thousand no, dollar no, machine. You know? I, I think right now we're talking about, I think we're going the percentage route. So percentage of sales would go to him um, until it's, you know, paid off or whatever. But like, yeah, that's, that's the thing that people don't understand about getting into coffee. It's so expensive, man. Yeah. Like our espresso machine is, as you know, 20 grand new, our scales, we just had a, a an Akai scale go out and that's, you know, a few hundred bucks there. <laughs> if, a, if one of our kettles falls and breaks, it's another few hundred bucks. Like it roasters are, can get up to like 70 80 grand man it's like crazy expensive yeah it definitely adds up so y'all are running the 25k now then yeah so we don't have any of our bags like out for sale yet because we really want to have it like dialed in and we'll touch yeah. on that later um uh but yeah we are i mean we're playing with it we're roasting in it we're doing all these like crazy products we're trying to figure out where we're buying our coffee from uh kind of just dialing in like our roasting identity because we have a coffee identity. Like everybody knows when they see the lantern, Oh, that's lost and found and stuff like that. But yeah, really what kind of style of roasting we want to go for style of bag, what sets us apart, you know, just trying to get the edge. <laughs> yeah. So right now y'all are purchasing coffee from another roaster then basically. Um, yeah, we have a really, really good relationship with black and white roasters. Okay. Um, we were like their third or fourth wholesale partnership. Um, that's what uh, lost and found started as was private label through them. Gotcha. Um, and so black and white is owned by Kyle Ramage and Lynn Butler, two world barista champions who are just killing it, man. So, um, and, and we have such a dynamic relationship with them to where like we can call them and say, Hey man, we're trying to figure out this with our roastery. And even though like we're not going to buy coffee from them anymore, one day Kyle is just like, Oh yeah, man, let's come down and like, let's hang out. Let's, go drink some bourbon and, and talk about coffee and do this. And so, um, yeah, we, we serve black and white right now. And occasionally we drop our coffee. Um, like we do some specialty drops here and there. Um, and then we will sling, you know, some of our coffee on espresso or cold brew or whatnot, just kind of phasing it in instead of just dumping it all in at once. Yeah. That's cool, dude. Now I've kind of noticed that too. Like it is hit or miss on, you know, the community who's going to help and who's going to, you know, not help. But yeah. for the most part, I'm, it's the same way down here. I've, I've gotten so much support from other roasters and stuff. That's just like, you, you know, we're going to be in competition, but it's like, I don't know, like we've all kind of discussed, like we want the tide to raise everybody up, you know, the yeah. more we can kind of educate and get more people like I, you're probably in the same situations we are down here. Like the market's not exactly. saturated at all. There's, there's tons of people that don't even know about specialty coffee that we can get, you know, it's not like you're in Portland or, you know, LA or San Diego <laughs> yeah. or something like that. So yeah. what are y'all's plans on managing green and do y'all have that figured out yet as far as like purchasing storage and stuff like that? Um, yes, yeah, sort of, kind of. Um, so with everybody moving into the, into the strip mall that we're in, it's bittersweet, right? Jobs are being provided. It's a bumping area but we were kind of hoping to buy the building next to us as well and turn that into our roastery. Um, so we're kind of having to regroup on that a little bit, but as far as greens go, we're, we're kind of getting some samples from a bunch of different companies right now. Um, black and white, again, helping us out big time. Oftentimes they will send us samples of what they have. Um, so, you know, you can look on their website and I remember if you see dairy Kajawa, uh, they sent me some green beans of dairy Kajawa and I got to roast that. So, um, yeah, we're looking at, uh, this company, I met him at a coffee expo, a super awesome company that focuses on, um, getting small roasteries up and running. Um, they do, and this may benefit, benefit you as well. Um, they do intent to purchase style. So 
you don't have to purchase a, an entire freight of green coffee up front. Um, you can kind of just work with them and they'll, and they'll help you out a little bit. So um, we're working with them kind of, they're called Lena coffee providers, super awesome company. And then um, yeah, just kind of, again, figuring out who we are. We use genuine origin a lot um, because they have been recommended to us by multiple companies. I mean, black and white and um, some roasteries in Alabama, Tennessee and stuff like that. A lot of people use them because they're trustworthy um, and they're honorable. That's our yeah. big thing is like making sure we're not getting mass produced coffee where the farmers aren't getting compensated enough and stuff like this. So yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of just kind of poking around a little bit of everywhere. Uh, I imagine for the first little bit, we were, we will stick with genuine origin and, and kind of dial in more with them. And then our goal is to uh, be on the farm, be feet on the ground, picking the coffee and, and figuring some of that stuff out, roasting on site and making partnerships that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the cool thing I've kind of seen too, you know, with like, you know, the farmers down there that I've kind of spoken with is like, they definitely want to get more involved in what we're doing just as much as we're wanting to get involved in like what they're doing, you know? So it's kind of like this mutual yeah. thing. I think it's definitely going to be pretty cool kind of going, going forward. Yeah. Um, so as far as like, you know, y'all are testing out batches and stuff right now. What does that look like on a 25 kilogram machine? Or are you, uh, like y'all have to be burning through a good bit of coffee then at that point doing <laughs> tests. Do you have like a little sample roaster or, or what, what yeah, y'all doing so that, there? That one pound roaster is our sample Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Much. So y'all yeah. still have it um, then. Yeah, we kept it. So okay. it's cool. We, we call the one pound, uh, we call it roast Malone. Uh, okay. and then the 25 pounder is just, Honestly, I hated it at first, but it is like an atrocious yellow, almost like the bag behind your head, man. Just, just as yellow and harsh on the eyes. Um, so we call it Big Bird. Um, Big Bird. <laughs> but yeah, so we um we're we're sampling on the small roaster because um, I've got that one dialed in. Like I could I could do it with my eyes closed and you know produce good coffee. Um, and then we were translating that to the big roaster. So we're translating from roast small into Big Bird, and um. I mean, we've had to do a couple of test runs just to kind of clean out the inside. So we had a, we probably had like two years worth of um, leftover coffee that didn't fit in roast Malone. So it's like, you know, two or 300 grams or whatnot. Uh, so we just made this big, like 20 pound bag of old coffee and just been sending it through there. So um, yeah, a little bit both end, you know, we're, we've got a Nicaraguan that we're waiting uh, to throw through Big Bird. Um because there was some technical difficulty that I was facing. So we put it on the halt for a minute, but um, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to throw a Nicaraguan through there. We have a um, top secret project thing that we're working on that we're going to throw through the, uh, through the big bird. Um, and both of those we will probably use serve and or sell. That's cool. So then as far as like, I guess, roasting and like learning roasting, what's been your hardest kind of roasting concept to figure out or or get right so yeah hardest roasting concept that um i had to figure out uh was probably and it's it's like this for a lot of people i think but um just sticking to a chart right like um even to this day i uh, i overthink that chart so much so like when i'm roasting right it's it's coming up on my laptop you know this is my temperature this is my rate of rise and this is my bean curve and all this stuff and it's like I can so easily overthink that. So um, that was like the, the hardest thing for me to like kind of focus in and, and realize like, all right, when I turn the gas down, it affects the, the chart in this way. Because for me, that's a lot going on, man. I got a, I got a roaster going in front of me. I've got a, I've got a computer and a laptop to my left and I've got gas on my right. Like there's a lot going on there. So it was super easy to overthink all that very early on. And I, I mean, I wasted pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds of coffee just because I couldn't focus right. Because um, I think there's a lot of pressure as a roaster to like get it perfect on the first try. Um, and so recently we had a call with Kyle Ramage and I, I kind of picked his brain about that. I was like, um, you know, yeah, man, like how do you, how do you focus in and dial in your coffees? How do you focus like that? Because for me, it's just a lot going on. Um, and he goes, honestly, bro, we just kind of send it. Those are his exact words. He was like, we just kind of send it on coffee, man. And if we get it right, we get it right. And if we don't, we don't. Um, so just as a young dude, his mind is scattered everywhere, but also as a roaster, like, um, 
that was the biggest concept is like perfection is not going to happen. Um, and being okay with failure and being okay with not having a perfect coffee, um, really, really took a lot of pressure off of me. And ever since I made that switch, probably about two or three months ago is when I really stopped putting all this pressure on myself as a roaster. Um, ever since I made that switch, um, I've enjoyed roasting a lot more. I've been able to dial it in a lot more. Um, and it's just been, it's been that art form again. So, um, cause you know, baristas across America can oftentimes be extremely picky about their coffee, you know, pour over is done right. This espresso is done right. So that translates to a roaster as well. Like be extremely picky about it. And there's a time and place for it for sure. Like you want the coffee that your customers are drinking to be excellent quality. Um, but that's right now for me, that's not going to happen every single batch. So that was probably the hardest concept for me to get over was just like focusing during my roast and, and kind of like getting a group for everything. And then once I'm focused, realizing that it's not going to be perfect every single time. So, yeah, like I said, once I, once I got past those couple of things, it, it's been a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of noticed that too. Like there, there's just so many variables to it. And one thing that kind of threw me off in the beginning, like, you know, you, you roast an Ethiopian and you get good at this Ethiopian and all of a sudden you switch over to a Sumatra and you start roasting Sumatra and everything changes. Like the heat's yep. got to be different. The drop temp's got to be different. Like the airflow is all, and it's nothing, nothing's the same. It seems like from coffee to coffee. So it's almost like you're restarting on every origin, every, you know, kind of region of coffee yep. you can, you're, you're roasting on. And yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. And in the beginning, I mean, you're burning through so much green, not wasting. I mean, you still give it to friends and family and stuff like that, but yeah. it's just like, it takes so much trial and error to actually get good. And I think a lot of people underestimate how many roasts and how many batches you got to actually do to get to a point where, you know, you're actually putting out some really quality coffee. For me, it was, yeah. it was a ton. Like, yeah. I mean, it's still a ton for us. I mean, we, we roast a lot behind the scenes, but don't sell or serve much of it because we're still getting our feet under the ground, but like, yeah, like if I pulled up my charts from when I first started roasting, man, like <laughs> that, you know, your rate of rise, you want it to be consistent and smooth. And, but like I said, just because I'm freaking out because I got a chart here, coffee there, gas here, air there, my charts are like, boom, 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 like just all over the place, oh, like yeah. a roller coaster, man. And, and so it's just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to go back and look. I, I have one of the first charts. I mean, it was the same thing. It was like the tent was just all over the place and it, it, it was horrible. <laughs> But it's like you don't realize in the beginning how much a little bit of a change in gas can affect, oh my gosh. you know, the, the, the entire roast. And it's like so it's just those micro little small adjustments in the gas. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, you know, you're thinking I'll turn it up to, you know, one whole notch or, or turn it up to three. And it's just yep. all over the place. So yeah, that that <laughs> took me a long time too. just figuring out the gas, figuring out the airflow, figuring out kind of. You know, once you master one coffee, well, then you're starting all over once you move over to South America. You know, it's it's completely different again. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was definitely tough. Um, so what are y'all's future goals as far as like with the roastery and stuff like that? What's what's y'all's plans to kind of just stay there and roast for y'all selves? Or do y'all plan to, you know, do more online sales or what's that look like? Um, a little bit of everything, man. So Lost and Found wants to have five locations across like every geological or geographical, there we go, geographical region in America um, <clears throat> in undersaturated markets, just so we can serve people and bring good coffee to people. So um, we really want to get into the wholesale game and e-commerce game and like just kind of have our brand out there. Um and then once we have more locations, you know, of course, we'll be roasting for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like short term goals is just to get this thing going, like, like dial it in, serve it on espresso, serve it as a cold brew, have some bags on the shelf. Um, and then the specialty like market in Mississippi is, is pretty small. So like getting in with local shops who, you know, like to carry local roasters and stuff like that is a goal. And, um, and then, yeah, long term is just supplying coffee to america through lost and found yeah i think i think the wholesale game is kind of important especially once you get to a larger size roaster like 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 y'all have i mean you definitely got to have 
you know, different wholesale accounts you're selling to, if there's a Whole Foods mm-hmm. around or restaurants or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of something I've been kind of looking in as well, just trying to create a list and like, you know, eventually, you know, I'm going to, the whole thing is like, once you get it up and going, like money's ticking. So you got to start hitting these places pretty quick. And uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. So what do y'all feel y'all were doing like, right? Uh, you know, as far as like y'all's operations and kind of y'all's y'all's end goal, like what's, what's going right. And then what, what kind of do you feel could be going better? What we're doing right. I think personally is we're taking our time man. like, um, taking our time is the, is the biggest part of it because, uh, Colin, the owner, he's, he's huge. I'm like, you know, let's, let's do this thing slowly and let's do it right. So, I know, I like, I know personally of roasters who, um, you know, use the same roast profile, like we were talking about same roast profile over every single origin and they just sell it and they're moving out. Right. Like they say, they're saying yes to everything. They're getting their name out there, which is great. Good for them, but their coffee is not great, man. So it's like, we would, we would much rather take our time, develop this program really slowly. And so when we have lost and found bags on the shelf, it's like, you know, we're extremely proud of it instead of like, yeah, it's good coffee, you know? So, um, I think that's something that I don't see a lot of, especially in Mississippi. Um, so I think that's what is setting lost and found apart. Um, because yeah, man, I mean, we've got thousands of dollars tied up in inventory in our, in our roastery that we're just not selling. Right. Like it's, it's investment money if you want to call it. Um, and so that can be challenging at times because I have this really good coffee that, that I drop and, um, I'm like, man, this is, this is like, you know, black and white quality. Can we serve it? Can we sell it? And it's just not time yet. Um, and that's okay. It's okay that it's not time yet. So I think that's what we're doing really, really well is, is fine tuning every aspect of it so that whenever we're ready to pull the trigger, we don't have to fight with it anymore. Once we pull the trigger, it's like, you want a bag of coffee online? Let's get you a bag of coffee online. Um, and I'm confident in the coffee that we're producing and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I would say that's what, that's the business plan that lost and found has always followed and it has gotten us extremely far. I mean, you know, like I said, in the beginning, we were just a tiny bar inside of an antique mall hard, but we did the slow route. We took our time and we just kind of trust the process. So we're doing the same thing with the roastery, uh, trusting the process, working really hard at it and serving people really, really well through that. Um, and then I would say the the thing that we struggle with the most, or like, I think that, um, I know that I kind of regret a little bit is not having a bag design ready. That's like something a lot of people don't, don't think about, right? Like um, early on, we had a bag design that worked for the private label. And um, if you go to the coffee shops in town right now, or the, the coffee shop coffee on the shelf, all the bags look the same, um, which isn't a horrible thing. Cause they all have their own like logos and whatnot, but we really, really want to stand out. Um, that's kind of like our biggest tie up right now is, is, you know, do we, we're, we're all huge bourbon guys. So it's like, do we emulate a bourbon brand and, and kind of like do, do that thing? Or do we completely do a new style of packaging or like what? So, um, as we get closer to being ready to release our coffee, uh, we're still kind of struggling and wrestling with the bag design, um, and kind of like a brand guide. Cause that's what, that's the first thing people are going to see when they look up our coffee or if they walk past it on the shelf or, you know, so, um, I would say that's my, my advice to anybody who's getting into roasting is have your bag design ready, man. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's, it's a challenge to kind of get that up and going right now for us. Plus we have a really small team. So yeah, that and the lead times. Cause that's another thing too. I've been kind of looking at, uh, cause like you said, like bags, it, it's super important. So I've been kind of pricing that up and just, it, it's and it's getting so expensive like what i priced up back in 2019 it's literally almost doubled as far as like impression yeah. costs and getting the uh you know the what do they call it the i don't know it's like the not the template but the plates made to like yeah. you know to to stamp or whatever and it's done went up so much so it's like i don't know and, and then the lead times too you know so if you're getting bags you know pre-stamped and you know however many sides it's it's costing a lot more but then you may be having to wait six to 10 weeks to get all those bags in because of the order backup. 
So that's yeah. something you got to kind of, you know, prepare for it too. You may be ready to roast and give them the design thinking you're going to get bags in a week and it's not, it's not going to be like, you're going to be probably waiting a month or two. So yeah, that, and like also coffee, the, the C market itself is up yeah. like 54% from last year. That's crazy. So it's like adding that margin onto, onto bags, you know, it's like at some points, <clears throat> you know, we're going to be charging a lot for a bag of coffee just so we can break even on it. And, that, that's pretty challenging too. And that's, that's just one of the things about being in coffee right now is everything is so expensive. Um, milk is like three bucks a gallon for us right now. So um, it's extremely hard to get milk in and stuff like that. But yeah, that's, that's another thing that's kind of like been a fight is, is just the price of coffee in general. So. Yeah. And that's one thing I know you're probably in the same kind of boat as, as, as we are down here. Like, our inflation, you know, is still going up, but it's, it's nowhere near like the cost of, you know, San Diego and like the East coast and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Like our gas price is still fairly cheap here. Um, but it's like, yeah, dude, just everything is going up and it's like, what, that's what I'm trying to figure out now too. Like what, what makes sense to sell a coffee bag at, you know, cause I'm trying to run all my numbers and hand, hand to the bank and it's just, geez, we is like, I, I you don't want to <laughs> overinflate, but I don't know what to predict they'll be a year yeah. from now, you know? So that's been yeah. kind of something I'm having to put a little bit of risk, you know, overstate what I may be actually selling, uh, just cause I don't want to get hit with, you know, uh, yeah. with that, but yeah, it's pretty crazy right now with the inflation stuff. So, um, I think the other thing too, I think it's really cool is just moving slow. Like, like you said, like I've, I feel when, whenever you do move slow, you give your time, you, you give yourself time to get through the peaks and the valleys. Cause like, there's going to be the valleys where things aren't going right. And if you're moving so fast that you can't withstand one of those valleys, then you're out of the game, you know? But if, if, if you're moving slow enough where you can kind of ride out the peaks and valleys and, you know, it just, it, it's kind of that marathon mindset. Like, you know, I don't care what the pace is. We're just going to make it to the end. And I think yeah. that's, one of the best mentalities you can have as a business owner, you know, anything like that. So it's cool that y'all are kind of moving, moving at that pace and, you know, getting things kind of done. So heck yeah, dude. Um, so then as far as bags, I do want to talk, uh, talk a little bit on, on bags then like yeah. what, what, what are y'all planning on bags as far as like 10 ounce bags, 12 ounce bags, are y'all going to be doing by the pound or have y'all decided yet? Yeah. So we're, we're probably going to stick with the 12 ounce uh, like route, yeah, standard. Um, you know, yeah, like Onyx does ten ounce, right? But they have yeah. that reputation to do a ten ounce bag like, or box, really, with them. But um, and then Counterculture does ten ounces, but even Black and White with as was with as big as they are, um, they do twelve ounce bags, right? So it's like it's a great perceived value. Like, yeah, I'm getting a good amount of coffee for the twenty bucks I'm dropping on it. Um, so yeah, we're we're probably gonna stick with the twelve ounce route. Um, and right now we're just trying to figure out like, like all the small details that catch an eye, like, you know, what color do we want the label to be? Cause we've noticed like coffees with yellow labels or like orange labels don't sell like near as much as like a coffee with, you know, a purple and blue label or like a red and brown label, like stuff like that. So uh, we're trying to figure out like what we want our, our bags to look like. Do we want to have um, like, we were thinking about doing like this roasters notes but it's attached to the bag instead of being on the label. So it's like a little clip on and it's like, Hey, here's what Marcus thinks about this coffee. Um, and here's some information about the farmer. Um, we want to do that, but how do we implement it into a bag? Um, and then like the shape of the bag, you know, <laughs> like, do we want it to be rounded at the top or do we want it to have like side pleats where it kind of folds in on itself or, um, yeah, man, there's so many variables that go into it. And it's like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> We, we had a graphic designer on our team uh, for a while, but he took an awesome job uh, doing graphic design in a more professional like manner. So um, we still commission him for a lot of stuff, but um, right now it's like, it's me and, and Colin kind of trying to figure out the bag design with input of the team as well. So um, yeah, cause we don't want to, we don't want to tie up so much money into a bag um, and then hate it, you know? So yeah, and that's the other thing too. Like you're not just buying like, you know, a hundred. They make you buy like <laughs> they make you buy like yeah. two thousand of them. So yeah, I know. Uh, are y'all planning on getting everything pre-stamped, or are y'all going to be kind of like doing stickers, or have y'all decided that yet? We we really like the route of stickers, right? Like, 
um, they're kind of clean. Like if, if you can get a label maker and a template, like we really like the idea of a, of a, st a sticker. Um, so, but we also have so many companies in town that like our local printing companies um, that we've been working with in terms of like pre-stamp stuff or like making the stickers for us or whatnot. So um, we have a couple of mock-ups for both. Like, you know, do we get the, the bag already stamped with our logo and all this and then apply a sticker like and just do both or what so uh because black and white I'm, I'm like looking at their bags as i'm talking to you they do both right and it, it works really really well for them so it's a clean bag too so um yeah kind of both and we're still experimenting with it and working with local companies that have the opportunity or have the ability to do it yeah on a sample on a sample level for us you know so yeah i'm going to look up black and whites then uh yeah, that's what I'm kind of been thinking too. I think my, my plan is to like get the thing that's not going to change stamped, which is, you know, the brand, the name. Yeah. But then like the coffee and everything on the back, it al almost has to be a sticker unless you are doing so much quantity that you can afford a, you know, a, you know, a bag with that detail of each coffee. So that's, yeah, I don't know. That's a feel it's just yeah like you're saying it's so much to think about dude and it's like you can get it just get, dive into the weeds on just the bag and yeah. then you haven't <laughs> yeah. even touched any other por portion of the the roast yeah. process you know um, and we have like a we have an awesome brand guide like we have an awesome branding right like <clears throat> our logo is so sick man it looks like something that would be on a hat it's like a badge logo with a lantern on it as like an homage to the train because where we were before the train tracks ran literally like if this is the building right the train tracks ran right like right beside it because it was an oh, old wow. cotton factory. So um, the joke in the in the cafe was always like, um, "Oh, I didn't know we had a train coming through town because it came through like thirteen times a day." So, anyways, our logo is like a lantern, like you would see on the front of a train and stuff like that. So we have an awesome brand guide, awesome brand colors, and um, like huge potential for a bag. It's just how do we execute it well? You know, like yeah that's that's just a part of coffee man that's like the logistics of it how do we execute that well so. yeah and there's always so many things to like dive down and learn about and do um but yeah branding i don't that's that's another thing just just branding if you can there's coffee that i've tasted out there and i know you probably tasted the same thing where it's like it's not that good but it's mm -hmm. because their branding is so good they're out there you know basically crushing it but yeah. the coffee is not that good. But then there's other, you know, people that have sent me coffee or that I've ordered coffee. And it's like their their coffee's amazing, but their branding's not up to par. So therefore they're not getting their name and stuff out there. So it's it's such important it's it's a very important thing to get branding down, but it's just it's such a skill that yeah, that's that's definitely a tough one to do too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just... kind of thinking about that right now, like just how how, how do you want to brand yourself and vision from the start? You know, and it's, it's yeah. I don't know. It's one of the things like I, I've, I've seen y'all's little train with the, uh, with the logo and everything. And it's like, it's, it's like, it's cool. It's an ingenious little design, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and it's like, there's so much that's psychology that goes into like what happens when somebody sees a bag. Right. So it's like, um, like you said, some awesome branded companies out there that just don't have good coffee or, not even just my like not even just good coffee but like not my style of coffee um me and colin were traveling up to kentucky a few weeks ago and stopped through a city and super awesome shop super awesome branding super cool vibe but we couldn't finish the coffee <laughs> you yeah. know it's like it was like eating uh, like circus peanuts you know so um <clears throat> but yeah we i mean we always have people ship us some coffee the branding's not great like it's not it's not quite there yet but the coffee is just like, oh, you know, yeah. it's insane. So yeah, that's, that's just part of it. Yep. It's definitely one of them concepts. Yeah. You, you have to get down. So, well, heck yeah, dude. Uh, shoot. Anything you want to share or kind of bring to the table? I mean, I would just say like, um, as a, as a young dude in coffee, like keep on, keep on trying. If anybody's listening to it, like keep on trying to do your concept. Um, cause right now I know, I know about five people, who are kind of in the weeds of like getting their own concept started and, and they're kind of close to getting there, but also close to giving up. So coffee is a hard thing to get into. It doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like an adult job, um, quote unquote, but 
um, yeah, just keep on trying and, and put your heart to it, man. Cause coffee is always going to be in demand and it's always going to need uh, passionate people behind it to make it is make it what it is today. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say to anybody, I guess. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, dude. Just having passionate people in, you know, the community of it. So I just think that's the coolest thing about it. So, well, cool deal, Marcus. I appreciate you coming on, dude. And if, uh, yeah. if you, you know, hit me up in the future and if I'm, I'm going to get up to Tupelo one day, I want to, I want to stop by and I'll link everything down below and everything like that. So heck yeah, dude. I'm going to come up there and visit y'all one day. Yeah, dude. Come get a cup of coffee. Uh, enjoy the space. We'll show you the roastery and um, we do a really cool concept called the lab where it's a bunch of beverages that we've created uh, from scratch. Um, so I think we're about to start, we're workshopping our, our spring menu right now, but um, yeah. And we have a Valentine's day coming up next week that we're going to do a date night for and do a strawberry mocha where we do like freeze dried strawberries on top oh, cool. uh, in the shape of a heart. So it's not like, you know, it's not super sweet. That's what we, we try to avoid a lot is like the super sweet, like frappuccinos and yeah. whatnot. So um got that coming up and then um today i mean there's just always stuff going on at the shop man today right now there's a thing called cars and coffee and it's like a nationwide thing but we have a car club in town and uh, i think like once or twice a month they do it at lost and found they they fill up our parking lot with super nice cars man i'm talking like cars i'll never even have (laughs) like never even think about having just because and they're doing car shows and all that and drinking coffee and um, so yeah, man, we'd love to have you and uh, try to catch us on one of our events, dude. It'd be a, yeah, would dude. be a blast. <laughs> real, real, real quick, when do y'all think y'all gonna have y'all's coffee like for sale for sale going? Y'all have like a ballpark idea? Um, not really a ballpark idea. So I'm having it's kind of like a chestnut checkers game. I'm having a step out of coffee for six weeks. Um, next week, um, I'm in culinary school right now. I'm having to do my externship, um, and that is like an industry thing where I have to go work in a commercial kitchen and work with people. Um, so I'll be up in Nashville for about six weeks. Um, so unfortunately, in order for me to be able to do coffee better, um, I have to step out of it for six weeks. Um, and then when we get back, we're going to hit the ground running, man. So, um, once we get a bag design figured out, that's, that's all we like. So, uh, it could be May or June, um, if I'm thinking about it, but I don't know the logistics behind <clears throat> getting everything else set up. So, uh, I would say just keep an eye out on our social and yeah. keep an eye out in general. Okay. Um, Cause it, it's going to be soon for sure. That's, that's a fact. Dude, I, I'm, I really do want to get up there. So whenever y'all get it going, let me know. And I'd love to come up there and I don't know, we can all hang out, shoot some little videos and drink some coffee. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a question for you. What are you sipping on today, man? I've seen you've been drinking some coffee. <clears throat> yeah, actually. Uh, I think they actually the last guy that was on uh, from Columbia, he sent me some yeah. coffee. It's the, fermentation type down there uh anaerobic type and yeah. i don't know it's it's the weirdest stuff dude it's like this whiny even when you're brewing it it has like a wine smell to it mm-hmm. and I, it's probably not for everybody but i love it it's like this super juicy type coffee and it, it completely yeah. changes how like you know a normal colombian coffee would taste mm. so it's it's different I've, I've, i'm kind of wanting to explore it more and talk to more farmers that are kind of getting into this process. And I don't know if you've had any like, you know, uh, anaerobic fermentation type coffee or whatever, but it's, Oh yeah. I think I'm drinking one right now. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's so different, dude. I, I I love it. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, he sent me some of that and I enjoy it. That's super cool. Yeah. Columbia, Columbia is killing it, man. Like they're, their coffee farmer scene is just, insane black and white sources a lot of their coffee from Colombia. they do like ethiopians and whatnot but um yeah right now i'm i'm drinking a a black label from black and white that they sent us and uh it's a anaerobic natural um really good whiny also kind of like boozy um and then i ran out of it so i blended it with another bag that i have from black and white and so it's like it's like a fermented like tangerine almost it's really good though it sounds kind of weird but it's really good it's weird, like, because it's not, it almost oh. makes, like, the South American coffee, like, as acidic and fruity as, like, an Ethiopian, but it's, like, mm-hmm. a different taste or something. I don't know. It's kind of, yeah. it's hard for me to explain just yet. <clears throat> I need to definitely keep cupping, and I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it. I'm roasting yeah. in different ways. I want to roast a little bit darker next time and kind of see yeah. uh, what I can pull out from, you know, a little, little darker in, but no, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, like, Columbia is definitely, like, I, I speak to a lot of 
you know, people hit me up from Columbia and they're doing this or doing that or some new thing they're doing. And I'm like, wow, like there, there's a lot of people down in Columbia right now really trying to push these new interest in coffee, new areas of coffee, new types of coffee processing. And I don't see too many other regions. There's other regions doing it, but I feel Columbia is just a lot of people that reach out to me or they're wanting to do something different down there. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's what, that's what we love. I had, I had the opportunity to uh, roast a, a cultured fermentation coffee. And what they did was um, in the fermentation vat, uh, kind of like you would with beer, right? Like you, you put all these ingredients to give it that, that flavor in the fermentation vat. They, they put toasted coconuts and uh, fermented pineapple in it. And it added this whole new dimension not necessarily like a flavored coffee. Cause like when you drink it, it's coffee, but like it had this weird dynamic of like a new level, you know, like outside flavors, you know, doing something to the, to the fermentation process. Um, and it was, it was a good coffee, man, <laughs> but it came yeah. from Columbia as well. So it's just like, they're killing it. Man. Yeah. They're definitely doing some crazy experiments and stuff down there. And I, I, I love it. Like I'm not, I'm not one. It's like, you know, always, you know, by the book, not, try anything like i, I want to try it all dude i want to yeah. try it all so yeah that's super cool well marcus i appreciate you coming on dude and uh like i said keep in touch and whenever y'all get it up and going i want to come up there dude so yeah absolutely whenever yeah, you yeah, get dude. your space you'll have to uh, you'll have to hit us up man oh we'll, yeah uh, dude we'll that's the other thing there. i can't wait to just have a space where i can invite people down and do like a lot more of this in person yeah. and stuff you know and like i don't know just learn from people teach people just do whatever we can you know so yeah Absolutely, man. Well, it's good catching up. All right, Marcus. Have a good one, dude. You too, brother. Later, buddy. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Coffee Runs Deep podcast. I truly appreciate you watching. Thank you, Marcus, for coming on and putting up with my poor internet connection. Can't wait to get up there and visit you guys soon. Thank you so much to the patrons for making these episodes possible. I will have your coffee shipped out as soon as my bags come in, which will hopefully be soon. Please leave a review if you so feel the urge to do so, and I'll see you next week. Love you guys.